Network podcast. Welcome to 2024. We're sure it's going to be a fun year. Slightly different topic this week. We noticed that 4 billion people this year are going to be voting in some capacity. So Chris and I thought, let's have a look at some of the major ones across the world. Starting off with our blessed Isles. Let's talk about the British elections that are coming up. Um, which I'm sure will be fun. So, yeah, first of all, we've got, like, the local elections. Uh, anything strike you as interesting there, Chris? Well, the local elections in May, I, I'm I'm looking forward to, and they should be quite interesting. It will be the first sort of, I think, major electoral test, obviously, for Rishi Sunak since he became Prime Minister, because we haven't really had uh, local elections of that scale since he came into number 10. These elections, particularly in May, are interesting because they are obviously local authorities, but you also have the mayor elections as well. Um, so that will be well, specifically in my patch in London, that's Sadiq Khan um, and the yeah. London Assembly members. So it's a, it's Wecker, a great... Wecker as well, uh, the West England Combined Authority, my yeah. neck of the woods. It's going to be interesting for Bristol as well, um, because this is going to be the first time that we won't have... Um, a directly elected mayor of Bristol for the first time in, I think, t 12 years. And are they, what, have they got rid of the post? Yeah, they got rid of the post. The Greens did really, really well at the last local elections. And so they brought forward a referendum to uh, get rid of the post because they thought that um, the, the guy currently in charge is like extremely biased and essentially just he he spends money on areas that aren't really that important and that that will leave behind a legacy this is what they've said by the way this is not necessarily the opinions of me the turnout was something like 36% and we got rid of the post because apparently of those 36% of people of bristol the majority agreed so yeah we're only going to be having the western combined authority mayor uh, from now on and I don't know who's going to win that, if I'm being perfectly honest. What's it looking like? Well, Dan Norris hasn't done a bad job. He's actually done like quite a good job, particularly when uh, you have a figure that he very clearly does not like, running one of the biggest cities, not just in the area, but in the country. So, uh, you know, he has done a good job. He said that he's going to, at the very least, look into bus franchising the same way they've done in Manchester but do that to West England the problem is they're changing the way everything's being done so it's no longer AV it's first past the post mm. uh, because the Tories uh, pledged that they would do that at the last general election and that is like one of the few things they've managed to get done in between all the Prime Ministers going in and out number 10 well, they have changed. I mean, I think that they've changed it to first past the post for all mayoral positions now, haven't they? Mm -hmm. um, so that would be so London is for the first time also having a first past the post mayoral election, which should be. <laughs> I'd like to hope that Sadiq Khan gets retired for a third term. Um, when you look at his his uh, sort of rival in Susan Hall, um, you'd hope that the people of London would have a bit more uh, sense than to to vote for her because she has the guys who elected boris johnson first yeah that's true that's true that's true um 
I mean, Susan Hall's an interesting one. She seems to have had quite a lot of gaffes over the last few months. Um, I don't know if if I'm sh- maybe some listeners have heard um, where she said that she was pickpocketed on the tube, but then it turned out that she'd maybe just lost her wallet and someone had handed it back to her. But she made quite a big deal out of how it was Sadiq Khan's London. People are getting mugged at left, right, and centre. And then it transpired that actually she just dropped her wallet and someone who was nice enough to hand it back to her. Um, there was another there was another uh, interview she did the other day where she was being asked about police officers and what their salaries would be and how many they should they should have. And she couldn't answer any of the questions. I don't think she knew how much a bus fare cost. And she her excuse was, I don't take the bus. I said, well, in London. Think, yeah. Like you're going to be running transport for London, which is obviously the transport network that covers London with buses, the tube overground. You should know what a bus fare is. Surely that's that's basic. Good grief. I mean, it's not just that there was some more troubling sort of things that emerged about her. Um, she, I think, was found like, yeah, she found liking a tweet that um, sort of contained quite nasty Islamophobic sentiment okay. um, about Khan. And it was sort of a there was a reference to Enoch Powell. Um, it was a picture of, I think, Enoch Powell. Um, basically saying it's never too late to get London back. And she sort of said, well, on Twitter, you just go through and like all sorts of things. And if anyone was offended, I obviously apologise. It's like, well, well, maybe you should know better than to to like a post sort of idolising Enoch Powell. Like if when you're representing the most multi, one of the most multicultural cities on the planet, <laughs> like that's not that's not the right route to go down. See, here's the big difference between uh, your mayoral uh, your mayoral elections and my mayoral elections. Uh, you guys actually seem to have like candidates that want to like win the seat. Because as far as I'm aware, and I live in West England, by the way, I don't even know the names of the other candidates of the other parties. And and I'm sure that I'll get to know know it closer to the date. But you would think that they would at least start to make themselves aware considering the fact that we're four months uh from the next mayoral elections it's yeah it's quite bizarre so but as far as i'm aware only dan norris has said that he's standing for the position and i mean it, it's worth saying that there are other there are other mayoral contests in um, the east midlands which is i think a new position that doesn't exist at the yes. moment currently. Um, and uh the west the west midlands i believe is the only uh, conservative uh, held mayor. Tees Valley as well at the moment is is uh, is conservative held for the moment. Uh, and I mean, there's all the controversy about the, the docks up there, which which might impact how that goes. Um, Andy Burnham's obviously the incumbent in Greater Manchester. I can't see him going anywhere. And I mean, the same for Liverpool with Steve Rotherham as well. And, and Tracy Braben in West Yorkshire, they are probably quite safe. Um, but there is on another new position, another new mayoral position is York and North Yorkshire. So there was West Yorkshire previously, and now there is also York and North Yorkshire. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes. But if we look at the map and the, how the polls are going at the moment, you'd think that there'd be a fair few Labour gains in those positions. Mm. It, this is what why the local elections are also going to be quite interesting because it will give us like a very solid idea of 
maybe how people are going to vote. Like, I know the Greens are going to be, like, pushing really, really hard for uh, the new Bristol seat, Bristol Central, uh, because they, if I remember my own video essays correctly, um, of the 14 uh, wards, 12 of them voted for Green councillors. The other two were Labour. But if that replicates or they get all 14 uh, ca candidates, yeah, I can very much see them like taking Bristol Central. And and yeah, I feel like the results of the local elections will just give us a lot more of a solid idea of where we're heading. Because I don't know if the listeners have noticed this, but since the last by-election special... I know we have a lot of them. Labour have made a couple of mistakes, and I don't know how that's going to replicate across uh, to the voter base. So this we should have a bit more of a solid idea. We should have an honourable mention of some of the by-elections that are coming up in February. I think there's two of them, if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah, there is. There's one in Kingswood, which is uh, in my backyard. Uh, the guy... Uh, stood down actually because he I can't remember what exactly he stood down for but I know that he stood down because he disagreed with one of the policies that his party was implementing there's also I think there's a by-election in Wellingborough and there's also one in Rochdale I think that's coming up in February they're not on the same dates but um just 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 putting that out there because there seem to be a lot of by-elections that have been in the last six months Really? I've noticed. <laughs> but I mean the local elections may may well be a push factor for deciding when the next general election would be. Because if the results are particularly catastrophic, it may end up being curtains for Rishi Sunak anyway, and he might just decide to call it before he gets pushed by his own party. Because we've seen rumblings over the last week of people trying to get rid of him. That just seems to keep bubbling on. That never stops. It's it, this this psychodrama that that seems to always engulf the Conservative Party that never ends. So yeah, the local elections, while they might not seem important at first, very much important and will give us like a rough idea of how we're going to be living out the next five years. Uh, because even though we've had several by-elections that have given us a clue, I think that the local elections will be like our last definitive pin on the board to have like a better idea of how a general election which both Rishi Sunak and Keir Starmer have said is coming this year is going to play out and at this point I think it's fairly safe to say it's a question of how badly the Conservatives will do at this point because despite what everyone says I don't think the British public have quite gotten over how they acted during covid at least i hope so you would hope so and i mean after the after 15 years and you you have people generally looking at the country and saying well are things better now than they were 15 years ago no that i think that the answer is an emphatic no and you can argue that covid played its part and you can argue the war in ukraine played its part you can argue on all these external factors but things were rubbish before covid and things were rubbish before ukraine and actually, before Brexit, things were rubbish. Things were not getting better. Things were getting worse. And I think 
the local elections will be the first time uh, well it'll be the first time in a while that that many people have been able to vote in the uk and then after that that general election in at some point in the autumn people think but like you say it'll be a good indicator So those are the elections that will be happening in the UK. But we thought we'd treat you uh, with the other 9, 4 billion people who will be voting in the world and have a look at a couple of the important general elections uh, across, hopefully, all the continents. Uh, So we'll start off with the big one. And I do think I'd be remiss not to say, with massive air quotes around the term election, let's have a look at the Russian election. (laughs) The Russian presidential election, which is actually set to happen very soon in in March. In March. Um, Yeah, in March. And I mean, when you look at the countries that do have elections this year, they are all major players on the world stage. And when we talk about Russian elections, we talk very loosely because I'm sure everybody knows that they do not have the best record of holding democratic and free and fair elections. However, I I mean, at least there's like some international body that looks at at elections and says yep that's free and fair oh no no go back and do it again please um yeah every single time zimbabwe has an election they seem to start sweating (laughs) but um yeah i think the last uh the last election that was internationally recognized as free and fair was uh yeltsin's last one which if i remember correctly was toward the end of the 1990s (laughs) Yeah, very long time. And I mean, Putin has been in charge since the turn of the millennium. 2001, I think, yeah. So he's held on to power since then and progressively made changes to make it even more difficult to, you know, have any form of effective opposition. There is, however, one candidate that at the moment seems to be trying. Um, His name is Boris Nadezdin, and he is an anti-war candidate. He has just recently got enough signatures to say that I have enough support to stand for the position of president. Now, that's brave, considering... considering that the other big player is currently in prison and, last time I checked, poisoned at least <laughs> twice. Yeah, and I mean, there was somebody else before him who submitted a petition um, and she ended up being ruled out of it by Russia's sort of ele- elections commission. Yeah. Um, they They were like errors... And then she said, well, I'll start my own party then. And then all of a sudden she was detained on drug charges. Oh, by the way, if you feel, listeners, if you feel like you're in a dead end job and you don't feel like there's much of a point, just remember there is someone working for Russia's electoral commission. Um, But yeah, um, this this candidate, um, he's Boris, uh, he's certainly going to give it a go. Um, and he's he's done a round of interviews with with sort of Western media outlets over the last week or so. And there was an interview he did with the BBC and the question was, do you think you're going to win? And he said, and it was a very diplomatic answer. Like he didn't just flat out say no, but he didn't he didn't say yes. He was like, I'm not I don't think I'm going to win, but I'm going to try my best and, you know, put forward my views and and things like that. But he he's got the he's got the um, signatures and it's it's not an insignificant amount of signatures i think he has something like two hundred thousand signatures from people supporting him and in russia the way that they operate is quite different to here so if 
if you want to stand as a presidential candidate, you have to have the, the signatures of uh, an X amount of the Russian population who support you. Uh, that that process is 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 hard enough in itself, but also the people signing those petitions that you have to give them your name, your address, your passport number, everything. So that information then gets submitted to the uh, Russian Electoral Commission. Um, so they have a nice little list of people who you know aren't quite happy with with the current uh, leadership just 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 to have on hand there you know just just in case which is probably con is probably a contributing factor to, to their low score in the uh, sort of free and fair elections rating um but he the candidates that who's who's got that he still may be disbarred by the electoral commission in russia they, that could still happen but there's a lot of talk about Russia, so the, like the Kremlin sort of giving the pretense of having a democracy where they let him run. But, you know, he obviously doesn't do well. Um, and he has been quite vocal about the invasion of Ukraine or the special operations, they call it in Russia, because you're not allowed to call it an invasion. Otherwise, you go to prison. So he was very, very careful in his interviews not to say invasion, not to explicitly say it was a war, you know and call it the terms that the Kremlin don't like but he has said that if he is elected on day one he would end the special operation and he would restore um, relations with the West and make them normal again <laughs> if we lived in an ideal world you know we'd see Putin unseated democratically through a process which is fair with a candidate that actually won the popular vote don't think that's going to happen Let's move on uh, to one of the elections going on in in the continent of Af Africa, and at least from a Western perspective, one of the more important ones, since it's a country which I might be a bit biased in saying this, but it's a country that I would say is the closest ally in the continent to the West. It's South Africa. So South Africa is currently going through a time, despite representing their their beliefs on the world stage very famously and having numerous good sports teams, it, it back home it's a bit more complicated than that. <laughs> a series of power cuts, very, very obvious corruption has contributed to this feeling of ennui in the population every single presidential election that has happened the vote rate has gone down and down and down it was something at like 60 percent uh 66 percent it's now less than 50 percent which is surprising considering the fact that this is a country where people literally gave their blood just so they could have votes that is shocking less than 50 percent yep Jacob Zuma, that's all I have to say. <laughs> Imagine Boris Johnson, but more blatant. I'm not even kidding. This is a guy who upgraded his home with a swimming pool and said, no, it's not a swimming pool. It's a fire pool so that I can run to it and put out fires that ha just so happened to occur in my house. Actual thing he said, look it up. Doesn't sound real, but. Like I, I believe you, but that doesn't. That's just that's just so 
Oh my god, that sounds that's it just sounds like a like a fiction. The hope was that Cyril Ramaphosa, the guy who replaced him, would come in and at least restore some faith in the politics of the country. But unfortunately, uh, no, things have gotten worse because he has done nothing. <laughs> so they're having electrical problems to the point where there are power cuts at worst 16 hours a day. People are going out of business, you know, food is rotting because the fridges no longer work. It's, it's a whole thing. People will look at this election with interest because this is the first time that the ANC, Nelson Mandela's party, could lose, or at least not get the amount of votes required to get a majority, which means they would have to either go into coalition with a party called the DA, which is a centre-left party, or the EFF, which is an extreme-left party. The EFF are the people you've likely heard of because they get into trouble all the time. And I do mean all the time. So yeah, depending on which party they go for, yeah, it'll it'll just be interesting because with the DA, even though they disagree on a lot of important issues, like Palestine, for example, um, the DA do also run the Western Cape, which is one of two areas in the country that actually makes money. Uh, the EFF, they have like some ambitious plans, but they don't have any plan on how they're going to raise money to make these plans work. Like they, they're talking about like the purpose, the nationalization of like most things, as well as like creating a welfare state in a country where I think 20% of the population actually pay tax. And most controversially of all, um, <laughs> you remember those plans, or at least the, that idea that Robert Mugabe had about taking back land from white farmers and giving it to black farmers? Mm. You know how that destroyed the country? Mm. Yeah, they want that. Oh. Mm. Yeah, a lot of this doesn't seem very thought through. But do they have do they have support? I mean, do they have support? They they regularly get the same amount of votes as the DA. See, here's the problem. The DA don't have a lot, if any, power outside of Cape Town. Like I'm and it's not even being funny. If you were to look at an electoral map of South Africa, you could see where Cape Town is because it's literally just one area in the Western Cape. Everywhere else is the Orange Party, the ANC, and the EFF. So yeah, it it will be it will certainly be interesting to see how that election goes, particularly for the West. As I said, I might be a bit biased. Uh, I was born in Cape Town. In case people don't know, I only go on about it all the time whenever there's a rugby World Cup on. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I might be a little bit biased, but South Africa is at the very least an important ally to the West, particularly since they seem to love tap dancing between having a relationship with Russia and other developing countries and still trying to have a somewhat reasonable relationship with the West.
if that's one of the elections going on in Africa. And now we shall move on to what I call the big boy. Yeah, so there's going to be an American general election in November, which I'm sure will mean that I have great mental health come July. <laughs> well, and it's already underway. I mean, uh, so, I mean, the America has got this year in November, the presidential elections, elections for the Senate and the House of Representatives and other um, sort of state seats. Um, I think the gov governorships are also up for election in November. But um, so first of all, we'll start sort of on the Senate and the House of Representatives. Um, at the moment, the Democrats hold the Senate just um, with sort of a, a very slim majority. I think it's a majority of two. Um, Something about, yeah. Yeah, it's very, very small. And the Republicans obviously have quite a significant chance of grabbing that in November because um, there's 33 seats there up for election in on the 5th of November. Um, and if the Republicans take that, then it could make life difficult for whoever wins the White House short, um, <laughs> during the elections held at the same time. And um, you also have the House of Representatives because that's that's how the that's the system in America. They've got the Senate and the House of Representatives, and then they've got the executive branch, which is the White House. And um, the House of Representatives is currently held by the Republicans at the moment, and all of those seats are up for election in November. Um, we have to remember that the the way that the American political system works is if if the White House is won by a Democrat, but the House and the Senate are Republican, or if there's even sort of one Republican House, one Democrat dominated House, it will make life very difficult for whoever's in charge if the governing party in the presidential election do not have the same party in the House or the Senate. If we look back to Donald Trump's presidency, we can see what difficulties he faced with um, with the Senate and the House of Representatives. Um, obviously, they sign off, well, not obviously, but they sign off um, bills and legislation, including finance uh, for government services and government policy. If the branches of government are not able to agree, it results in the government just stopping and we saw that under Donald Trump. I think it was in 2018, towards the tail end, there was a shutdown for 35 days, which basically meant that there was no funding for federal workers. So if you were a federal employee, you didn't, you would just be working not knowing when you're going to get paid. So you had, for example, air traffic controllers who are, I think, federal employees who suddenly just stopped turning up to work because they weren't being paid. And obviously that's far from ideal when you've got one of the most congested airspaces in the world. I think actually that shutdown was around, it was over the border wall that Donald Trump wanted to build with uh, with Mexico. And that that obviously didn't go down very well with the Democrats in the House. Um, but like I say, it's the, the, the outcomes of those, the elections to the Senate and the House of Representatives will very likely determine how strong of a of an intent and how um, successful any incoming president will be in implementing their i can say his because at the moment it looks like whoever will become president will be an old white man um but yeah so 
the outcomes of the Senate and the House of Representative elections will determine how successful whoever is elected president is um, in, in sort of putting forward the legislative agenda. And then, of course, you do have the presidential elections as well. And um, this is obviously a podcast, so you can't see, but Jules just rolled his eyes. <laughs> I, I mean, I do honestly think we are sleepwalking into another Trump presidency. Like, I, I honestly don't think I've ever seen a base so unenthused as the Democratic voters right now. Because even though Biden has done some positive things in his in his, in his presidency, you know, get the feeling they're not going to vote for him based on his track record, which is, look at all the minor things that I have done. And that's not even going into how controversial Ukraine has been in America, which he is still continuing. By the way, I do completely agree that he should continue to do that. But I do honestly feel like that's, it's creating this atmosphere of apathy among Democratic voters. And if there's one thing I can't accuse the Trump base of being, it's apathetic. Mm. They are going to vote for him. Like, come rain or shine, they will, like, march through 11 feet of snow just to cast their vote for Donald J. Trump. The only thing I can see stopping him is the 14th Amendment, which, by the way, he will go to the Supreme Court to contest which he filled with Trump supporters. And it is worth it is worth counting the the uh, indictments that he is that Donald Trump is currently facing. Um he is facing nearly a hundred felony counts, I think in four different cases, which is unprecedented in historical terms. There has not been a former president indicted criminally before. Um, nor has there ever been somebody who's running for president again, who is currently going through, you know, in uh, court proceedings, criminal proceedings. This is how mental this this situation is. If he was found guilty on all counts, all of those felonies, he would be in prison for seven hundred years. Like that's what the jail time adds up to. Seven hundred years. I mean, Trump's lawyers are quite worried about about like these these charges because. If I remember correctly, they wanted to do like the jury process that like the trials. They wanted to do the trials after November. Mm. Which kind of tells you everything you need to know. Because of course, yeah, you can't you can't punish a man who can pardon himself. You know? And I mean actually we we I think we'll we'll know soon enough because the trials are already happening. You know, there was there's, there's, there's. I think there's two in March, and one in May so far. There is, there, there is like one that's going to the Supreme Court, which is basically Donald Trump going, "Nah, I'm, I was president, and I can do whatever I like as president." Mm. Um, that's, that's like the eighth of February. That's the only one I can see him losing, because, even because the whole point of the American system is. That the president can't do whatever he wants, um, as long as he is president. Like the whole point is that no one is above the law, and like the three major chambers all cancel each other out if they disagree with something. I don't want to see Donald Trump again, and the sad fact of the matter is we are probably going to see Donald Trump again. 
And I mean, you have to think about how his relations may be with any incoming government in the UK, considering since his sort of... Which way the wind is blowing? Yeah, considering the way the wind's blowing and how many senior Labour figures who are in the cabinet, who are in the shadow cabinet now spoke about him at the time, you've got to wonder what those conversations are like behind the door when they have those meetings. When, if that happens, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be in that room, to be fair. No. Oh, God, don't. That's, that's the American elections. We've, we could, we've all got, well, we've, we've all got that to look forward to. So yeah, needless to say, it's going to be a very interesting, um, very interesting year ahead for democracy across the world. Mm. Uh, I, I, as I said, I think I said at the beginning, but like four billion people across the world will be voting on who gets to represent them on the global stage. Uh, so we're all so it's very comforting to know that through all this anxiety all the worries about what's going to happen and what policies are going to be implemented, we are, at the very least, not alone in this. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much uh, for listening to us uh, here at the Wildlands Network Podcast. I've been Julian Greenbank in Bristol. And I've been Chris Davis in London. Thank you very much for joining us for our first episode of 2024, listeners. Uh, we will continue to upload an episode monthly across a wide range of topics and, of course, publications. We do hope that you join us.